Exodus 32, Exodus chapter 32. Man, we'll go through those list of ministries and just let me say again, thank you. Thank you. What a blessing to be in a church where so many people want to do something for Jesus. What a joy. All right, Exodus 32, let's read together just so we can get our bearings. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which should go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. What a, what a catalog of failure in that verse. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Disgusting. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Not hard to get people to do that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Mama might not know, and Daddy might not know, and the preacher might not know, but God knows what you're doing. And you're not getting away with anything. Uh, sooner or later, sooner or later, your sin will find you out. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wax wrath, uh, wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak, and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. So Moses gets God calmed down, and now Moses is going to see what God saw. And God's going to have to calm him down. Verse 15, And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God. Graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands, and brake them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made, and burnt it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. Well, well, well. That's loaded. 
There's a lot there. Unless you're Joel Osteen or some other coward that's afraid to tell people what the Bible says. You're a Bible preacher. This is who this over the plate waist high, just just hanging in the air, waiting for you to smack it with the old ball bat. Now, first we see in verses 15 and 16 the unmistakable, the most unmistakable statement regarding the written word of God. Here, unlike places where holy men were moved by the Spirit to record the words, here, God used His own hand, and He's got one, and His very finger, remembered man bears His image, to write His words upon tables of stone. Don't you wish you'd have been there to see that? You say, well, God's invisible. Well, so is your spirit, but you got one. So is your soul, but you got one. God's invisible, and the invisible God who made stone has no problem writing in it. The invisible God who made the mountain upon which Moses is standing and the piece of rock Moses hewed out of the mountain, God has no problem whatsoever putting His words down in writing, and He does it. Praise the Lord. One of the great factors which differentiate men from beasts is our ability to communicate in language with words, verbal and written, to to hear them, to read them, to understand them. The, The development of language and communication forever sets man apart from beasts. And there's no missing links, there's no go-between. In fact, you can find an ape can stick a round ball through a round hole. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to read the paper you write about it. Well, you know, we got this chimp, and this chimp was able to to, uh, to learn 20 different uh, uh, pictures and, and match them up. And Well, that's, that's really great. Get him to drive you home when you're done doing the study. People are crazy, man. One of the great proofs that God has set His love upon man is that He's chosen to speak to us. You got God's words in a book. Pretty amazing. What a great treasures in the Word of the Lord. They used to have mail. How many remember mail? People used to write letters. And they'd write a letter and they'd put it in an envelope and they'd put a stamp on it and they'd, they'd send it and, and it'd be delivered. You'd go out to the mail, open up the mailbox. And back in the day, there used to be more in there than credit card applications and grocery store advertisements that used to actually get letters in the mail. And if you look, you'd have a return address on the top, and you'd look, and it'd, it'd say, it'd be somebody you didn't care anything about. And you weren't too interested in opening it up. And then it'd be somebody you owed money to, and you weren't interested in opening that up. And then it'd be from, from a, one of your relatives, and, and one you didn't really get along with all that well, and you, you didn't want to open that up. But oh, if it was from him, or if it was from her, you didn't say, I'm just going to leave this laying on the table. For a month or two. I get around to it. I'll look at it. Oh no. Oh no. Into the house. Open goes a letter. Sit down and read it again and again and again and again. Why? It was from somebody you wanted to hear from. Now everybody here would say amen to the fact that we have the word of God in our, in our laps right now. We have the Bible. It's God's words to man. And the amount of time you spend with it is directly related to how much you care about God. And you, look, look you, you put it any other way, but we're going we're gonna to put it that way. Ding! They used to, your computer used to ding. You have mail. Remember that? that was, well, that was really exciting. 
I have mail. I have an e-mail. That means electronic. I, I got mail electronically. It used to be like that. You'd, you'd have to go to your computer to see if you got mail. How many of you remember that? And you'd go down through and, and you'd say, junk, 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 more junk, junk, junk. Back in the day, it was, it was Clinton did this and Clinton did that. And, and it couldn't ever get any worse than this. And, and America's doomed. We can't survive another five years because Clinton. And, and you remember all that. But, but then you'd see, here was one from somebody you wanted to hear from. And man, you didn't junk folder that one. You didn't delete that one. Click right on that thing, read every word. Then, then, they took the computer and they put it in your phone and you didn't have to flip the phone open. It just, it stayed open all the time and stayed on all the time so you could look at it while you were driving down the interstate at 75 miles an hour. And you could look at it while you were driving through traffic in downtown DeLand on Friday afternoon. And, and you could look at it while you were supposed to be working. And you could even, if you were good, you could even look at it during church. How many remember those days? Now they just put it in the palm of your hand or in your forehead and it goes straight to your brain. Oh no, not, not yet, but. Trust me, it's coming. Anyway, all that, all that junk on text message, text message. Here comes, here comes text message. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Fourteen people liked the picture of your grilled cheese sandwich. Means their life is even worse than yours. At least you got a sandwich to eat. They're just looking at the one you're eating. Like tag, you've been you've been asked to go look at the picture of Susie's grilled cheese sandwich. Why would I do that? Anyway, you, you know which ones you know which ones you look at first. The ones from the people you want to hear from. How much Bible we've read this week? How many times you open this book this week? Well, I love the Lord. No, not likely. I'll tell you, nobody means more to me than Jesus. That wouldn't be borne out by whose messages we want to read. Yeah, that's, that's just a fact. God! God! But see, we preach about it, we sing songs about it. If a singing group sings a song about the blessed old book that I hold in my hand, oh yeah, that's a good song, I, I like that song. Yeah, but if we just hold it in our hands, like carrying around a love letter from your boyfriend to your girlfriend, open it! Read it! <laughs> Alright, so, so that's that. God wrote it. And the tables were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. You say, well, they don't believe that at the college I go to. Well, then, how do you feel about paying people money to lie to you? They also told you that homosexuality is normal. You don't believe everything they tell you? Well, it's scientific. It's not scientific. I took, I took biology 
starting in the fifth grade. There's nothing scientific about it, trust me. (laughs) Sorry. Nothing could be any funnier than arguing for homosexuality based upon science. I mean, I don't want you to dwell on that. I just, it's just weird that you'd go to a college where people say things that crazy and then let them talk you out of your faith in the Word of God. Never worked on me. I didn't buy a word of it. Listen, I've taken and passed classes. I, I, I graduated from two colleges. I've taken past classes from eight others. So don't tell them, oh, you just want to be, be, be uh, ignorant, hillbilly. No, no. But the minute you start buying into their nonsense and embracing the doubts they're trying to put in your mind, that's the day you need to drop out. That's, that's preaching. It's just a little preaching. Verse 17, Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted. He said unto Moses, there's a noise of war. In the camp. I bet a lot of sermons have been preached on this, but not in the last decade or two. This was prime preaching ground in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. In fact, you can go online and hear the greatest hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Roloff, Green, J. Harold Smith. I mean, all the, all the, all the big top stars. Not the greatest hits you thought I was talking about, is it? And, and so, Mo, Joshua thought, there's war down there. Because it's evident we didn't have to wait for the end of the 20th century for music that sounded more like the horrors of war than the worship of Jehovah. Here two men hear the sounds of violence, the compression of artillery, the shouting and wailing of men killing and being killed. And Joshua reasons, based upon the sounds falling on his ears, there must be a great battle taking place and blood and guts must be filling the camp. But Moses informs him that while the sounds are similar to those who are being maimed and wounded, in reality the pounding of percussion and the cries of the singers rolling up the mountainside is... It's music. It's the kind of music people like who have a dead God who can't judge them as opposed to those who have a living God that receives their worship. Like the drum beats and screeches that carry through the apartment walls or rise above the sound of traffic, the people who have given themselves over to idols soon find music which coincides with and supports their evil practices. And before long, their gods and their music will conspire together to leave those people unclothed and unashamed. None like your old church music. It won't leave you naked. None like old hymns and stuff. You know, it's just so boring. It won't make a fornicator out of you. Won't make a drunkard out of you. 
Nobody, nobody t- takes a hymn book and Dan's up here singing, the musicians are playing, and a congregation full of people is singing hallelujah for the cross, and you're not singing that song thinking, man, I sure do wish I could get lit right now. I, I sure wish I had another beer. Now, when the singing stops and the preaching starts and you zone it out, your, your thoughts might wander there, but you can't sing these songs... Be engaged in those kind of thoughts. And one of two things is true. You either, you either listen to that country music because you want to do what they're doing, or you listen to that country music so it can teach you to do what... See, everybody likes to preach about rock and roll. Why do you want to listen to people sing about getting drunk, getting naked... Mocking God, getting divorced, being down the dumps, having the blues. What do you think that's going to do for you, much less to you? They, the, 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 literally, the rolling stones. That's what they said. The rolling stones are coming to Orlando. And they're going to put them in their wheelchairs and roll them out onto the, onto the stage. These guys are proof that drugs won't kill you. <laughs> they might preserve you. A whole generation of people continues to scream and yell and wave their hands and pay exorbitant ticket prices to hear people saying, I can't get no satisfaction and you can't get what you want. That's been the theme of rock and roll music from the start. It's a theme of rock and roll music to this day. And a person who's satisfied with Jesus Christ isn't having to go there. You know something? Here's what I've noticed in in the 40 years I've been saved and 39 years I've been preaching. Everybody who tells me that the music they listen to doesn't hurt them is already hurt by it. Every person who argues that with me is also justifying a fornication problem or a drinking problem or a rebellion against parents problem or a backslidden problem or I don't want to be in church problem. You stand there and say it doesn't hurt you if you want to. Everybody looking at you knows it has. Now, I'll say this, and um, you, you, you don't have to like it. That's okay. Churches are not going to contemporary music to get lost people in. They're going to contemporary music because the people in the church, that's what they listen to all week long, and when they get to church, they can't stand the difference. That's why. They don't like God's music. They don't like lyrics about God. They don't like songs that are about God. About 20 years ago, the Christian stations started substituting he for Jesus and him for God so that you could play the song about, it could be about your boyfriend or it could be about Jesus because nobody's saying. You know what that is? That's a generation of people that want to be loved. They just don't want the love of God. And they want somebody to embrace them and take them in their arms. They just don't want to embrace the truth of the Word of God. 
So we water down the Christian music, make it sound like the world's music, and, and we change the words so you can't tell them from, from the world's music, and then everybody wants to call themselves Christians. Don't you know that's what we're reading about in this chapter? They got Egypt's music, Egypt's lack of clothing, Egypt's conduct, Egypt's idolatry, and they call it a feast to the Lord. I love the Lord. You don't love Him in your CD player. You don't love Him in your MP3 player. You don't love Him in your iPhone. You don't love Him in your apps and your downloads. Where, do, where is it that you love Him exactly? You don't want to hear people sing about Him. You don't want to hang out with people that are talking about Him. You don't want to keep company of the people that are serving Him. Who is this Lord that you love? Is He a calf? <laughs> well, here's what I was going to say about that music. We're not going to change the world. You can't get out of the world. It's, it's in the world. That's what they do. If you bring that music in the church, you listen to me, you cannot have contemporary music in your church and stick with the King James Bible. You can't do it. That music is not compatible to the kind of life this book produces. Now, you won't find one. You'll find churches in a transition period that'll say, well, we brought in the new music and we're still using the King James. Yeah, but watch who's leaving. Everybody that's true to the King James and understands the King James issue is leaving, and pretty soon you'll get, you're going to have 50 people with a modern version and 20 people with the King James, and you don't, you don't care anyway. Right. Tell you something else about that music. You bring in that music so you can get a big crowd, and you will, and your church will go from 100 to 400. And you'll buy a building because you're going to go from 400 to 700. Let me tell you something. People that come to a church with that kind of music and those kind of clothes are not paying off the mortgage. Because they're carnal and they're worldly and they're not going to sacrifice for anything. And now you fill the building with 600 people that are only there because your dancing girls are prettier than the other church's dancing girls. And your drummer keep better time than the other church's drummer can keep time. And you built a building for that crowd and somebody's going to have to eat that mortgage because they're not paying it. That's just a fact. Well, you're in the Old Testament and it don't even say anything about the... Okay, okay, okay. I thought you might say that. Not you, but just a couple of you. Verse 18, he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. Okay, so they're, they're singing and they're shouting, but they don't desire mastery. I see that? All right, come with me to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. reason we've never done a thing where you, 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 know, you, you put the bands up and you play parts of their music and you put the rock group up and you show their lyrics. I, I, I've seen a lot of those and, and they're very, very good. reason I've never done one is a year after you do it, when you show it, all the kids laugh at it. Because the shelf life of most rock groups is about 12 months. The shelf life of the top stars, the top stars, is five years. 
Come on, you, you hit the very, very top, Elvis. 55, he's, he's, he owns the world. By 1960, everybody's bored out of their mind with him, and he's making crummy movies. 64, the Beatles hit. 69, they're washed up, broke up, no more Beatles. I'm telling you. Michael Jackson, the king of pop. No, he's, he's the king of pedophiles. Five years, that's all you got. Then it's over, it's done. You're going to give your heart to people that don't know you, don't care about you. Oh, they're just so wonderful. I want their poster. I want their picture. I want, oh, I, he's my favorite. No, I like him best. Oh, that guitar player is so cute. They don't care if you live or die. Jesus Christ shed his blood to save your soul. Why don't you love somebody that loves you? He actually cares about you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Trying to, sometimes I have trouble getting my point across. I'm trying tonight. 1 Corinthians 9.25 And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain corruptible crumb, we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest it by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Okay, you ready for this, young Christian? Young people, you ready? God is not going to control your ears. You are. God is not going to control your eyes. You are. God is not going to control your emotions. You are. Well, I prayed and and I I asked God to help me. Yeah, but you didn't want His help. You're going to listen to the music you want to listen to. And if you want to master Christianity and not be a castaway, you will master the control of the music that goes in your ears. And you will master control of the things you look at on your computer or your TV screen. And you will master and you will control the feelings and the emotions that run through your heart. God is not going to do that for you. The Apostle Paul and this version of the Holy Spirit said, I keep under my body. It's up to you. You want to be a good Christian? Stop waiting for God to make you a good Christian and get rid of the junk you're reading that doesn't honor Jesus Christ and stop looking at the junk you're looking at that doesn't honor Jesus Christ and stop listening to the junk you're listening to that doesn't honor Jesus Christ and stop blaming everybody else for the mess you're making out of your life. Well, you know, the world is such a bad place. It was bad when Jesus was here. It didn't mess him up. You think Paul the Apostle's in and out of rehab all his life? Think John the Baptist just kept falling one woman after another? You think John on the Isle of Patmos out there smoking pot and drinking wine every night because he couldn't cope with life? 
These men lived in a world every bit as wicked as the one you live in, and they lived above it because they said no to the flesh, and no to lust, and no to temptation, and they stopped feeding their flesh with things that went contrary to what they said with their lips they wanted to do. You know, preacher, I really want to live for the Lord. I want to be a good Christian. Would you pray for me? Well, I'll pray for you. But if you don't listen to that junk and looking at that junk and hanging out with junky people, I'm wasting my time praying for you because you don't want to master Christianity. You know, I mention every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll go somewhere and you just, you're just shocked by what you see in a church and you're shocked by what you... You know, the only reason that's shocking is because for the most part, I only get invited to churches that are like-minded. There aren't many of those. You don't believe me? There, there, probably, there probably aren't five churches. I, I doubt there's five churches in this county that would preach to their congregations what the Bible says about alcohol. There aren't five churches in this county that preach to their congregation what the Bible says about adultery and fornication. They never bring it up. They never mention it. Look, what you did before you were saved, we, we all wish we hadn't done what we did before, you, before we got saved. You've been saved 10 years, and I walk into your house or your church, and, and you, 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 pull up your, you, you pull up your pants leg, sister, and show me your brand new dragon tattoo, and say, how do you like it? I'm going to tell you how I like it. Well, that's pretty good. If wrestlers ever get you, the rancher will be able to prove you're his. <laughs> Look, you got 20 of them before you got saved. That's, that's all, that, that water's way under this bridge. But why do you want to be the world? Why do you want to fit in with this world? If you need a place to keep washers and spare parts, get a tool chest. Don't drill holes in your ears and your face. Why do you feel the need to be accepted by people who have to do that to accept themselves? Notice my green hair? I did. Feel better now? <laughs> no, because that's not going to do it for you. This man said, verse 27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Which means you can live for the Lord up to a point, and then sooner or later, that giving into the flesh, that yielding to the flesh, that, that desire for things that aren't holy, sooner or later, it's going to cause God to throw you on the garbage pile. That's what the Bible said. You don't have to like that or agree with that. That's fine. But that's what it says. All right, back to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. 
We've got five points tonight. That was two of them. My mother's 90 and she's not yelling for me to get done, so I'm going to keep going. Number three. Verse 19, it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount and he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink it. Thank God for daddies who get angry. Thank God for mothers who get angry. Thank God for preachers who get angry. Thank God for a God who gets angry. What is wrong? My dad, my dad, he yelled the other day. He yelled at me. Oh, you big baby. You ought to thank God he came home. You ought to thank God He's raising you. You ought to thank God He didn't abandon you. You ought to thank God He worked and brought groceries home. You ought to thank God He cares enough about what's going to happen to your life and to your soul to be bothered by the stupid things you do. How about that? So you didn't feel that way growing up? Of course I didn't. But I do now. I do now. I had a cigarette in my mouth one time. One time. And my father, he knows more about science than scientists do. He found out that the, the, the thing that makes you desire nicotine is not as powerful as the thing that makes you never want it again. There's some sensors right back here. Right back here, there's some, there's some, some nerve endings. And if you apply a belt to them properly, it'll, it'll cure the smoking habit for life. My dad's been dead for years. I'm still scared to smoke. God might send his ghost down here to whip me. Amen. My friend, listen, this, this is true. I, I'm sorry, Mom. We, we, I was out with Kyle one night. And we were, we were, I think we were in the seventh grade, and, and he was supposed to be spending the night at my house, and I was supposed to be spending the night at his house. We both lied to our parents. And we snuck out in the middle of the night, and we went and knocked on the window of, of a girl that we knew, and she had a, another girl there with her, and, and so we knocked on that window. And listen, I don't know how these things work. I really don't. But I'm telling you, within, within 30 minutes... Through the air, traveling for miles, I heard my daddy's voice calling my name. And it wasn't the gentle shepherd looking for the one lost sheep. And I can still tell you where that girl lived. I can tell you her name. But I can't tell you anything else about her because I never talked to her again after that night. Her sister was older. Her sister was... Well, there's words for that kind of girl now, but I just, I just got in seventh grade. I didn't know any of those words. I didn't know any of those names. I didn't know what any of them meant. But my father knew that the door of the harlot's house led to hell. 
And he didn't care how I felt about him. He didn't want me in hell. I'm glad I had a dad that got angry. Some of y'all, some of y'all didn't have that. Some of you don't have that. And you dads, you need to turn off the TV and stop listening to psycho babble garbage and get back in the Bible. It's okay to be very, very angry about sin in your children's lives and sinners trying to get into your children's lives. You ought to pitch a fit, a holy, righteous fit, if that's what it takes. Amen. You know what this country needs? Needs for all these limp-wristed pansy pastors to resign. Join a knitting class or a ballet class. Find a psychotherapy circle somewhere and sit in it. We need some preachers that are angry about the dirty, rotten, low-down, wicked lives people are living in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't believe Moses threw the tables down on the ground. You know, people, so they're so weird. They're so weird. You know, I was taught, and look, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm glad I was taught this. I was taught you never, you never put a Bible on the table and then put another book on top of the Bible. You just don't do that. Now, I don't, I don't think that's in the Bible, but... That's just how it was. You, you, didn't, you wouldn't read a magazine or, or something and then lay it down and lay it down on top of the Bible. You just wouldn't do that. You wouldn't put a Bible on the floor. That's just what I was taught. I don't know who taught me that, but I just, I, I've known that all my life. You don't put the Bible on the floor. You're sitting in a chair reading the Bible and you've got a footstool. You don't put the Bible on the footstool. Your feet have been there. It's the Bible. But you know what? The people that got rules like that and convictions like that, they walk all over it with their life. They'll, oh, they'll reverence the cover and the paper. They don't care what it says. I thought you were going to be gone all week. <laughs> Psalm 7, verse 11. Listen to this. This is the Bible. How many believe the Bible? Psalm 7, verse 11. God is angry with the wicked every day. You know, so, listen. This, this, this outfit is so far gone. Churches. There, there's, one, there's one over toward Umatilla. There's one down here toward Longwood. Churches are putting billboards on the highway which say, God is not angry. They're liars. They're blasphemers. They're servants of the devil. How can you say that? He was a liar. He's a liar and the father of it. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. The only way you could put a billboard up that says, God is not angry, is there's no wicked people left in Orlando. It's not true. Mark 3, verse 5, Jesus looked round about on them with anger. Well, you know, the God of the Old Testament, He was angry, but Jesus, He's just all love. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. He was angry with people who weren't doing right. Well, I just think if we just told people that God loves them, they've heard that all their life. 
think they need to hear something else. Now, come on. I'm like I am. With 18 years under the roof of the dad that I had. And 40 years of Bible preaching. Can you imagine me with one of these Mr. Rogers dads? Oh, son, I love you. Yeah, dad, I just burned something else down. It's okay, son. How did you feel? Did you feel good about it? Look, if I was doing all that knowing it could bring me within an inch of my life when I got caught, where would I have been with one of these modern jellyfish dads? Just floating along on the water. How you doing, son? Did you beat up your sister? Yeah, dad. I wish I had a backbone. I'd do something about it. It's pitiful. You boys, you, 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 dad, you dad ever gets angry with you when you get over being angry with him. You know, maybe next day or something like that. You'll just put your arms around him if, he, if you're older or just get up in his lap if you're younger and say, Dad, I'm, I'm so glad you're a man. I'm so glad you're not a, a wimp. I'm so glad you're not a baby. Thanks for getting angry with me. Thanks for caring enough about me. To get your blood pressure up a little bit and get a little fire in your cheeks when I do something stupid. Yeah, a little Thursday night picked me up middle of the week. It is proper to be angry with sin, with iniquity, with that which harms and defiles. There are many good reasons to be angry. Long as you don't lose your temper, make the best use of it you can. In fact, how could anybody look at the condition of our world and the apostate condition of our churches and not be angry? These people, you're out there street preaching, you know, and somebody come up and say, you just look so angry. Where have you been? Why aren't you angry? Muslims cutting people's heads off and presidents sending them money and bombs and everything else he can do to help them out. Pope running around promoting communism one day and... People go to church once a year. They get an egg hunt and a candy bar. Instead of the gospel. You're not angry about that? Bell rings at the end of the day. The girls come out of public school. You'd think you were in Las Vegas. Bunch of 15, 16, 17 year old street walkers. And their moms bought the clothes for them. And their dads watched them walk out the door wearing them. Nation full of idiots. Out of their mind. What are you so angry about? How come you're not? Somebody dying every ten minutes from drunk driver. Somebody getting robbed every ten minutes. Some crackhead breaking in their house and stealing their property. Well, I just think we just to love everybody. I think you're insane. <laughs> we do love people. 
We're not going to pat him on the head. Oh, that's that's good. That's good. You 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 killed him. Oh, well, that's okay. We just don't feel bad about yourself. We just you just need to have a good positive self image. The country's lost its mind, man. They have listened to this nonsense for twelve years sitting in a public school and three and four more hours a night sitting looking at the TV. Somebody told me for for church night. Now listen to this. I'm not, I'm not as far off track as you think I am. Listen to this. They had, last week sometime, they had the, the championship game of, of a, a basketball thing. Basketball championship. Now, wouldn't you guess demographics, wouldn't you guess most people watching that were men, right? Come on, it's not, it's not a trick question. It's men. Women are watching the shopping home network channel, the fix up the house channel, the you know, get another credit card and you can do this with your kitchen channel. Uh, the men are watching a basketball game. And they're drinking their beer and they're there with their buddies, you know, they're men, they're men, yeah, basketball, oh yeah, he slammed that ball down. And some company runs an ad, that's what I was told, some company runs an ad and the characters in the ad were sodomites. Now, listen, this is how far gone we are. That company believed they could sell their product to men by having two men kissing men in the advertisement. Did you hear the big protest about it? No, you didn't. You know why? Your country has been brainwashed. Your country has been so polluted that they think you're crazy. Well, I just don't think we should be, get angry. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that. There are plenty to be angry about. All right, number four. Moses broke the tables. Let's begin with a curious fact. The original manuscripts were destroyed before anybody but Moses got to see them. And for all the erroneous talk in pulpits and Bible school classrooms about this word in the original, and the original says, the truth is, nobody living ever saw the originals. Except Moses. I doubt he had time to read them. Before they were destroyed. When somebody uses those terms, they're just trying to exalt themselves in the hearts of their listeners and cast doubt in the hearer's mind on the trustworthiness of God's words. When a man says, the original says, that's code for what you've got isn't right. And he knows when he says it, he doesn't have the original. He knows that. Now, in reality, since the Scriptures are God's words and not man's, the author is able to recall what he said the first time and reproduce it. And Moses comes down off the mountain with a, <laughs> with a copy. And the copy is called the Word of God. And the people live and die and their souls live and die based on a copy. How about that? That's what it says. That's the Bible. All right, last of all, incredible words. He took, Moses, Moses took the calf which they had made 
and burnt it in the fire. That took some time, remember? And ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink it. (laughs) Now, you know, a million and a half people. It seems they could have torn one man to bits. (laughs) But they said, they said he brought them out of Egypt. Not God, Moses. So they're looking at the guy who they know can bring lice and hailstones and darkness and blood and death. And about a hundred of them over here start to run at him. He just holds that rod up. They start in on from back here. Yeah. And he lines them up. Drink it. Drink it. Drink it. Drink it. Drink it. He, he made them drink it. All right. So I say two things about this. And then you go home and say, well, here's really mean tonight. <laughs> you know what they did? They took their gold. They didn't give it to God. They gave it to their idol. And it ends up going down the drain. It's gone. It's gone. They're not getting it back. You can't go out and sift it out of the sand. It's gone. So this idea that I don't want to waste my life and waste my money giving it to God. No, you got it backwards. What you give to idols, what you give to this world, what you give to satisfy your flesh, it's gone. It's gone. That gold ain't coming back. They got nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. Listen, nothing to show for it. I like all this Christianity stuff. Okay, get yourself an unsaved boyfriend. Get yourself an unsaved girlfriend. Marry a lost man. Marry a lost woman. Drop out of church. Live for the things of the world. Make fun of the preacher. Just go on out there and drink and do drugs and hang out with that crowd. One day, one day, you will come to your senses and you will remember that the preacher warned you ahead of time. Nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. It's gone. It's just gone. Sunday school teacher, dad, mom, preacher, Christian. One man stopped the music. One man halted the dance. One man tore down the idol. One man carried it to the furnace. One man threw it in. One man melted it down. Time dragged on, the gold cooled. One man took a hammer, beat that thing to pieces. One man ordered them to line up. One man made them drink it. 
It's amazing what one person, empowered by God, can accomplish. It's amazing. Now, I'm going to be a fool, but I'm going to be a fool for your sake and your benefit, and, and I hope everybody take this the right way. We have people come and go, everybody does. You listen. Because one person in this town stands for the Word of God. There are hundreds of people whose homes and lives and families have not been destroyed by the things that would have destroyed them. And you can be that in this town or another town, or in your living room, or somewhere you just need to stand for God and be angry with sin and say, we're not doing that under this roof. We're not doing that in this cubicle. We're not doing that on my shift. We're not doing that in our church. We're not doing that in our Sunday school room. And just stand for God with a little anger. And a little determination. If people don't like it, let them hit the road. These preachers ask all the time, man, you got, you got all those people and they're all serving God and this and that. How do you do that? I say, you've got to be willing to let the people leave who don't want to do it. Nobody wants to see people leave. But we're not making golden calves here. If you want a golden calf, we can, we, we've got a brochure. There's a, there's a whole list of places you can go and dance naked around a golden calf and say you're serving God. Well, so don't you know, preacher, I bet, preacher, I bet you got, you got all the people at church, I bet some of them drink. Yeah, but they ain't bragging about it. I bet there's people there that do drugs. Yeah, they're not telling anybody about it. I bet there's people there sneaking around doing it. That's exactly it. It's going to be sneaking around to do it. Because it's not going to be approved. It's not going to be condoned. It's not going to be justified. And it's not going to be coddled. It's not going to happen. You're so mean. Yep. Yep. Just like daddy. My daddy would be sitting there in that chair. Behind that, he, he just, I, I, he couldn't possibly have read a newspaper as long as he, I think it was just like the fortress, he'd hold that newspaper up. And from behind that newspaper, you'd hear, the belt is going to sing. <laughs> We'd quiet down for a few minutes and it'd, it'd ratchet back up again. He'd say, it's a sad song. <laughs> it's a sad, sad song. And quiet down then and ratchet up a little bit. And, and, and then he'd say, listen, they're tuning up the orchestra. <laughs> and then, without warning, down would go the newspaper, and like Zorro, it just... <laughs> that belt would come out, and he'd write D in the air. Datto. <laughs> And there wasn't no hotline to call. 
Can you can you imagine in 1965 calling calling the police station? My daddy hit me with a belt. Good son, you probably need it. Keep from being a hippie. <laughs> Last one, we need another long hair in this town. Tell your dad keep it up. <laughs> who who would you call? Now you call. Uh, yes. Uh, is this, is this the hotline? Yes, it is. Well, ma'am, can you help me? I'm not a ma'am. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sir, can you help me? Yes. Uh, yeah, my, my, my dad, he, he raised his voice at me. I feel verbally abused. How many of you would have signed up for that? <laughs> dad, please, verbally abuse me. <laughs> Verbal, verbal, please, verbal. <laughs> oh man. I'm not I'm not asking for any pats on the back, but you ought to be thankful God brought you to a place where there's a preacher that gets angry about sin. And we all need that in our lives. We do, we do. I need it, you need it. And I mean, we don't need it all the time, but we need it often enough. So, amen. All right, well, I guess we better sing a song so you don't leave depressed or...